Glad you're here today. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm really glad that you guys are all here. I hope you had a good 4th of July, good uh, week, and uh, really glad that you're here today. We're in week three of a series uh, that we began a few weeks ago called Did God Say That? And it's really interesting how many uh, phrases we use, how many verses we think we are using, and we attribute them to God. And God may not have actually said that. It's like not found anywhere in the Bible. And so we're in this series, and we've picked um, we've picked eight of these different um, eight of these different phrases to to discuss. There are things that we may say. And so each week, what we've done is we've talked about that phrase or verse or passage. And we've talked about it, and we've analyzed it, and we've given it kind of a label, uh, did God say that? Yes, it's totally true. Um, We've said, no, it's completely false, found nowhere in the Bible, nothing like it, nothing even near it. Um, In fact, it might be extra biblical or non-biblical. Or we've given it the label of maybe, all right? So it might have, there's parts of it that might be biblical, Uh, God may have said it, and parts that may not be. And so today we come to a phrase that you all have heard. Oh, and by the way, we've, we've discussed two of these so far. The first one was, God helps those who help themselves. And we labeled that one. I, every time I say that, I hear people laugh. So I don't know why. But that's, I, I, that's great. You can think it's funny. So anyway, uh, we labeled that one. That is not something that God said. The whole of the Bible um, is essentially uh, about reliance on him. And so we discussed that in week one. Last week, we talked about the phrase, God just wants me to be happy. And so today we come to a phrase that I hear a lot, and you've heard it a lot, I'm sure. And it is the phrase, pride goes before a what? A fall or the fall, right? Or goeth, if you want to use the old King James. All right. So uh, anyway, pride goes or comes before the fall or a fall. And we're going to be taking a look at what God's word has to say about pride. Now, I'm just going to really like start off really honest. Um, (laughs) This is a difficult message. And um, some of you are like, great, I came to church and the pastor's like, doesn't want to preach his message. That's not true. Um, I'm going to do what God told me to do. And so, man, we're going we're gonna to do this. That, I, didn't, I didn't really even sell it there, did I? Anyway, so, um, but I, this is hard. And the reason that this is a very difficult message is I think that pastors deal with, with this issue of pride um, just as much as anything. And it might even be a little more heightened. You got to realize that I've been on my knees a lot with this message. Um, and part of the reason is, is I'm standing up here on the stage with lights on me. Um, I had somebody challenge the word stage, and I've been using platform instead of stage. So anyway, so up here on this platform, lights, this silly little microphone and that sort of thing, and I'm talking about pride. And that's very difficult um, because we pastors, and I'll talk about this in a moment, we struggle with this. Uh, we, we do. I'm just being really honest with you. And um, I think you maybe see why, but we all, if we're really honest, I think we all probably struggle with it. A pastor that I heard recently um, talk about this issue of pride said, I don't give today's message much hope because those who really need to hear the message aren't going to be listening to the message. So, um, and I love that. That's really kind of true, right? Um, But here's what I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge all of us before we dive in. I want to challenge everyone in this room, myself included, that I may deal with pride. Like, I want us all to kind of wrap our heads around the idea, even if you don't think you do, which, by the way, that would be probably the best indicator that you 
do deal with pride. But, all right, even if you're like, yeah, this is not an issue I deal with, like, let's take just a few minutes and make the assumption that maybe there's an area of your life where you're dealing with pride. And let's all kind of level the playing field and let's dive in and see what God's word has to say about that. And before we dive in, I want to commit these next few minutes to prayer. So would you join me as we ask for God's Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. Father God, this is one of these messages that is difficult to to talk about. It's difficult to, to preach, to talk. And God, I pray that you would lead us. Will you be our guide over these next few moments? And may your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us within the sound of my voice, whether we're here in this room or whether there's somebody listening online or on Facebook Live, whatever it is, God, I I pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would allow us to get introspective, God, that we would accept the possibility that maybe we do deal with this issue called pride. And God, may you help us to find the path away from this. And may you be glorified. May you be exalted by what you want to do here in our lives today. May my words not be mine. May they be yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So pride goes before a fall. Pride comes before a fall, the fall, whatever the case may be. Um, this is, this is a, a statement that I believe that we can label true. It is a statement that God said. But I also want to point out that we often misquote the verse that it came from. But that doesn't make it any less true, the concept of it. And the, the, the verse that we um, quote this from is from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. If you have your Bibles or tablets or whatever you're using, device, you can turn there. Proverbs 16, verse 18. And by the way, you can go online and get the notes to today's message. We've got notes on there. There's going to be a portion of today's message. I'm going to link to an article online um, that really helped me craft this message. Um, it's an article that was written in the 1700s by a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards, who was a great uh, revivalist preacher and theologian. And um, so I'll link that. You can also go back to the um, guest service station and grab a blank page of notes and a notebook if you'd like. Um, But I want you to follow along today. Let's read Proverbs, this one verse today, Proverbs 16, verse 18. Here's what the proverb says. It says, pride goes before, what's that next word? Destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. So, I mean, if we're really being honest, like we may kind of rephrase it. We may put it in our own terms and say pride goes or goeth before the fall, but essentially it really is a true statement. It is a true statement. It's a restating of this particular proverb, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Now, what's, let's talk about for a moment, what's behind the phrase? What's kind of behind what we believe when we say pride goes before fall? I want to I suggest that there are a few things. Um, our application of this phrase, uh, I think, might be in several ways. Um, first and foremost is, is that pride is the reason that someone has trouble. Like, we may look at someone in, who's going through a difficult time, going through a fall, if you will, or destruction, if you will, and we may surmise that they are going through that because they had pride before that, right? Because pride goes before the fall. And so we may 
I think sometimes improperly apply it that way. I'll talk about that in a moment. We also apply it this way. Someone who has a high um, aptitude, ability, or achievement has pride. I think that's a misapplication of this verse, a wild misapplication of this verse. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And then lastly, we look at someone who's currently seen success or has confidence, and we go, oh, boy, they're about ready to what? Fall. And so we apply it that way, almost like karma. And I want you to know today that this verse has nothing to do with any kind of fate or karma, nothing at all. This verse has to do with our relationship with God. And, and so we apply it in these ways, and, and I want you to know that that thinking that way is flawed because there's not always a connection between pride and success. There's not always a connection between pride and achievement, and there's not always a connection between pride and trouble. Yes, there are times when you can make the connection, but our tendency is to always say this phrase, notice, we always say this about someone else. I challenge you to think of a time when you've had a conversation about pride goes before a fall. Like, I challenge you to think of a time where you applied it to yourself. Like, we never do that, do we? Like, man, I'm, I'm really kind of puffed up about myself right now. I'm really, like, kind of all about me right now. Pride goes before a fall. We, did, we never do that. We always apply this phrase and this verse to someone else, and we'll t- talk about that in a moment. Um, what I want to do, though, today, as we get started, is give some definition to this idea of pride. Um, dictionary.com, we don't use Webster anymore, do we? We say dictionary.com, it says this. Pride defined by dictionary.com, a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or displayed in um, bearing, conduct, etc. I love how they can just add etc. to any definition, and it just means whatever you want it to mean, right? Isn't that funny? I love that. so funny. Um, I want to give a definition to really simplify this. Pride defined by Todd is... When I believe that I'm better than you. I mean, that's what it's about, isn't it? Like, that's what pride really is. It's when I believe that I'm better than you. Like, when I think that I'm better than you, when I believe that I have some kind of superiority over you. Do you see why this message is so difficult for pastors to preach? And every pastor will tell you this. I be- this is, pride is when any time that I believe that I and better than you. And that's true in all relationships we have. Listen, even in your relationship with God. And so I'm going to come back to this definition that, that we have here that like, I believe that I'm better than you. That sums up this idea of pride. Jonathan Edwards wrote this article that I referred to and I'll link to online. He wrote this article, and I'm not sure if it was actually, I doubt that it was a, um, a sermon because his sermons were lengthy. They were just incredibly lengthy, and this was a very short article. So he wrote this paper. It was called this, um, Undetected Spiritual Pride 
one cause of failure in times of great revival. If he were writing this today, he wrote it in the 1700s, if he was writing this today, the publishers would be like, you got to come up with a better title, all right? But undetected spiritual pride, one cause of failure in times of great revival, which would have been something he would have wrote about because he was one of the leaders of um, the first great awakening here in America and an excellent theologian. And in terms of pride, in this article, he gives headings at each paragraph. And, and the headings tell you a lot. I want to read these, just the headings. He says this, pride, a secret enemy. Pride, the great fault finder. That's true, isn't it? Pride, ministering in a harsh spirit. Pride, putting on pretense. Pride, takes offense easily. Pride, presumption before God and man. Pride, hungry for attention. Pride, neglecting others. And that, just in those little headings, that tells us a lot about pride. It tells us a little bit about spiritual pride. And so Jonathan Edward talks about that. And, and I, I don't know about you, but, but I think that when it comes to pride, this is something that we often miss and something that we make mistakes on. And so I want to point out today, I think, three mistakes that we make when it comes to this idea of pride. And the first one is that I mistake confidence for pride. I mistake confidence for pride. I think this is the first mistake that we make, and it possibly is the one that um, maybe um, we don't want to admit as much. And it's the mistake of when we look at other people and we see some sort of success, some sort of achievement, some sort of ability, some sort of anything that we value as something good and successful, we're going to just kind of summarize it by saying confidence. And we mistake that confidence for pride. This plays out in a lot of different ways. And, and I want us to be careful not to mistake these different things for, for pride. Competence, capability, confidence, excellence, experience, or efficiency. Listen, we, we, I think this probably is more prevalent in the church maybe than it is in any other segment of our society where we look at people and we look at like groups of people or we look at maybe even yeah, another church, I'll get to that in a moment, and, and we, we look at what they're, what they're doing and we, you know, we covet and we, we kind of like, I want a little bit of that, like I want to be like that or I want, I'm drawn to that. But we go to the extent that we kind of label them as prideful. And in reality, you don't know, you and I, when we label them that way, we don't know what's going on. It could be that that thing that we label as pride is a deep-seated, God-given confidence in their abilities and in their mission and what God's called them to do. And so I want you to hear this today. Confidence that is given by God, governed by God, and used for God is not Pride, Christ follower. I want you to hear that again. Confidence given by God, governed by God, and used for God. That's not pride. Don't mistake someone's success for pride. Jonathan Edwards, in this same article, he, he writes this. I want you to hear this. This is so good. He said, those who are most zealous in the cause of God are the most likely to be targeted as being filled with pride. 
when any person appears in any respect to be noticeably excelling others in his Christian walk, odds are 10 to 1 that it will immediately awaken the jealousy of those about him. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Like we get jealous when we see other people having success. Jonathan Edwards is talking about spiritual success here, but any kind of success. And so please don't mistake confidence for pride. The problem in the church, I think, is there are so too often too many fingers pointing out and not enough thumbs pointing back towards ourselves. And man, Jesus points this out so often. I mean, Jesus, when he was dealing with the religious leaders of the day, he got up in their grill about some things. And he does this in Matthew chapter 7. Check this out, verses 1 through 5. He says, Judge not that you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? That's where that phrase comes from, by the way. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, he says. He didn't mince words there, did he? He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Listen, Christian, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful to not point out pride in someone else until we have first stopped and taken a look in our own lives and ask God's Holy Spirit to investigate our lives to see if we're dealing with pride. And so I think the first mistake that we make, the first mistake that I make is, is I, I, may, I mistake confidence for pride. I mistake confidence for pride. The second mistake that I make is, is I miss pride in my own life. And it kind of point one leads up to point number two. I, I miss Pride in my own life. This is a mistake that we make with pride. A few weeks ago, um, actually it was a month ago, we were uh, in our kitchen, and it was myself and, and my family, Cynthia and Sydney and the kids, and there was a, uh, there was a particular issue that, um, and I'm not going to go into what the issue is, but my family knows about the issue, that I've, I really have been struggling and giving to God and working on. And it's been a battle. It's been an up and down battle, right? And so we were in the kitchen and we were having one of those family moments. It was great. We were laughing and everything was good. And, and I, for some reason, gave voice to how well I'm doing on this issue that I've been struggling with, with God. And it was like, hey, guys, you know, I'm really doing better with this. And what I really was saying was, haven't you noticed that I was doing better with this? And within 10, I promise you, within 10 minutes, within 10 minutes, I completely was wrapped up and embattled with that issue within 10 minutes of saying that. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how fast this happens. And how fast pride seeps into our lives and we may not even see it. It's a blind spot. 
It's something that even in our striving to be better people, we struggle with. In our striving to be closer to God, we may struggle with. In our striving to get through sin and struggle through some of the struggles that we may have in our lives, we may struggle with pride. We kind of get a win under our belt, and rather than giving God the glory, which is what I should have done, we kind of like pat ourselves on the back, like, man, you're going to ruin your shoulder patting yourself on the back there, you know? Like, we do that. We really get engrossed in our thing And so one of the mistakes we make with pride is is I miss pride in my own life. Three ways I think we can know that we're prideful. One is I might be prideful if my life is all about me. I might be prideful if my life is all about me. I I just want to say this. I, I think one of the reasons that we struggle with this issue so much is our culture and our world just kind of, it breeds an environment where we have to fight and struggle for the win, right? We have to, I mean, is life easy? must be easy for you guys. Like, it's not, like, for, for any of us, is it? Like, we have to fight and struggle for the win, whether it's an athletic win or an academic. You students, man, college starts, it doesn't start in, like, you know, 10th grade anymore. It starts, like, when you're in, like, middle school, right? Like, your college prep, you have to fight and struggle for that. Those of you who are in the business world, you have to fight and struggle. And so we strive to be the best. And I'm not, a, I'm not trust me, I'm not a give a trophy out to every player kind of guy at all. It's not what I'm saying here. Like, but the world tells us our society has this environment where we have to fight for the win. We have to fight for the victory. And so there's a little bit of pride that like the world tells us is good, right? You got to have a little bit of pride, right? To have the win. But that pride, if it's all about us, if that thing that's, it's, it's, you know, if it's all about self-promotion or self-preservation or, or like self-assurance, if it's all about us, it's pride. And this can happen in a thousand ways. It can happen with like just open arrogance about yourself or about like what you're doing or about your successes. Or in my case, it's usually about like the successes that my kids, I love talking about my kids on social media. I like talking about my kids and their success, right? Parents, am I the only one that that struggles with this? Like, I mean, it is a struggle, right? So, but there's this idea that like if we allow that to take control and it becomes all about us, and by the way, it can play itself, itself out in, in false humility as well, can't it? Like it can play it out in self-loathing because you know what self-loathing does? It just puts all the intention right back on us. And so I might be prideful if my life is all about me. The Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the church in Philippi, he says, in Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition, he says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. And so I might be prideful if my life is all about me. I might be prideful if I'm telling my closest counselors, I've got this. I know from my life, when I tell people that I love the most, that I've brought in close to me, when I tell them I've got this, you know what that means? Back off. Get out of my grill. Like, back off, stay out of my nachos. I've got this. Don't bug me, right? I mean, God puts these people in our lives, and we bring them in close to us. 
And we want their help. And then when it's offered, we, we look at it and we go, I got this. I got this. Man, if you're a student in here, I, I just want to encourage you. Don't get into the habit of being an I got this person. Because that's the kind of thing that breeds the pride that leads to the destruction and the fall. The I've got this mentality is something that leads to destruction. It leads to the fall. And so, man, I've been there before myself where I, I just look at people and I go, I got this. I got this. I might be prideful if I'm telling my closest counselors, I've got this. Proverbs 13.10 says, the ESV says, by insolence. It says in, in the NIV, where there is strife, there is pride. But by insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is what? It's wisdom. That's it, man. So I might be prideful if, if I'm telling my closest counselors I've got this. And then lastly, I might be prideful if I'm telling God I've got a better way. I might be prideful if I'm telling God I've got a better way. And we may not like openly like confront God and shake our fist at him and go, you know, I'm doing it my way. Like, I'm not doing the way that you think, you know, it might not be. It's, got, it's usually much more subtle than that. It's kind of like, I know what the Bible says about this particular sin. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of play around with it. I'm going to kind of mess around over here. And essentially, when we do that, we're telling God, I've got a better way. And listen, Christ follower, I want you to hear this today. If you're, if you're like bowing up with pride in your private life with God, you're going to bow up with pride in your public life with people. There's, there's, there may be a difference between that public pride and that that, that, that private pride that we have with God, but they're related. The public display of pride before others is simply the result of our private display of pride before God. We look around and we've been prideful with our family or with our siblings or with our bosses, with our employees, with our neighbors, with our husbands and wives. There's probably something going on with us and God where we're fighting him on what he wants us to do and the best that he wants for us. We're fighting against that. We're going, God, I've got a better way. When we're unwilling to humble ourselves before God, God will we, we will never be humble before men. When we're unwilling to humble ourselves before God, we'll never be able to be humble before men. James 4.10, we're going to take a look at James 4 in a moment. James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. See, what happens in private eventually ends up in public. And if we're fighting him, if we're, if we're crying out in, in disobedience to him, if we're kind of you know, trying to change what his word says about a particular issue, if we're just fighting this battle with God in private, and bowing up with pride, I, I've got a better way. There's no chance we have in dealing with each other. And strife will be what we deal with all day long. Proverbs 14, 12 kind of highlights this third and final mistake. And that is, is that I manage the fall myself. I manage the fall myself. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way 
to death. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, for its end, is the way to, I want you to say it with me, death. And I think what happens is, is if, we, if we are people who really get that, you know, confidence is, is confidence and it can come from God and it's not pride and we don't make the mistake of mistaking confidence for pride and if we don't make the mistake of really like seeing the pride or missing the pride in our own lives I think one of the mistakes that we can make is this idea that if there is a fall after pride that we can manage it ourselves we can handle the fallout we can put together the pieces of the destruction on our own now I'm not saying that if we've been living in some sort of pride, some sort of arrogance, and our life is a mess today, I'm not saying that we can't get out of that. What I'm saying is, is that if we go into it thinking we can get out of it on our own, we're doomed to fail. That pride is a slippery slope, and one act of pride or one act born from pride leads to another act born from pride. It's the snowball effect. It's the snowball effect. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. And yet we go into this idea of, of wanting it our own way. We go into it thinking it won't be that bad. We minimize what the fall will be. We minimize what the destruction might be. Or we think that we can kind of claw our way out of it on our own. We think that we can maybe undo the results of that pride. But Proverbs 16, 18 says it, says it ends in destruction. That pride ends in destruction. Jonathan Edwards in this article that I've referred to several times says this. Alas, you got to love it when it begins with alas, right? Okay, so anyway. Alas, how much pride the best have in their hearts. It is the worst part of the body of sin and death the first sin that ever entered into the universe, that was with the fall in the beginning, in the creation, and the last is rooted out. It is God's most stubborn enemy. So the question today as we begin to wrap up is how do we move from a place of pride to a place of humility? In James 4 James is a book, I, I was talking with Cynthia this morning on the way here. And I said, James has an interesting way of like getting right up in your face about stuff. And she's like, yeah, our women's group went through it. I get it. Like they've just gone through a whole study of it. James 4 really confronts the issue of us being more committed to the world than to God. But in doing so, what James does is he says essentially that pride is the seed. It's the root of all of the times that we are more committed to the world than we are to God. And I want you to check out what he says here. And I want you to see the first part. And I want you to see the second part because it, it makes a lot more sense if we read the whole thing. But in the second part of what we're going to read, he lays out a game plan for how you and I can move from a place of pride to a place of humility. If God's Holy Spirit is convicting us in this area. Check this out. Verses 1 through 10. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly 
to spend it on your passions. And verse 4, you adulterous people. Like this is where he really gets up in our face, right? Okay, so you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that is made to, uh, made to dwell in us? And here's where he begins to give the plan on how to move from a place of pride to a place of humility in verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. See, if God right now is speaking to you like he's been speaking to me these past few weeks about this issue of pride, and if he wants to, if you feel like he's saying, you've got to get over this in your life. This is a spiritual ceiling. It's, it's going to end in destruction. And you want a plan. The plan is right here. And I'm going to simplify it for you. Number one, give control over to God or back over to God. Give control back over to God. That's when he says submit. Stand strong against Satan, who is the evil one because he himself had pride in the, be- in the beginning. Come close to God. He says, draw near to God. Cleanse out the sin. Cleanse out that sin. Allow God to wreck you. Allow God to wreck you. It's so interesting to me that all throughout Scripture we hear, you know, like, let God turn your sorrow into into laughter and your your tears into joy. And, And here James turns it around because he knows that when we're dealing with pride, we need for God to do some work on us. And, and he says that essentially in verse 9, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Then be humble before God. But here's the great part. And here's where, like, some of you are like, this is the most depressing message I've ever heard. But here's where it gets really good. Let God exalt you. Let God exalt you. You see, pride is the process of us trying to exalt us. And the Bible says it just ends in destruction. Pride is you lifting you up with disastrous results, but humility is God lifting you up with excellent results. Results that are best for you and most glorifying for him. Isn't that great? Like, I love how James begins with us being on top of the world and, and so, like, you know, secure, and it's all because of pride, and then we go through this process of being wrecked, and at the end, he says, he will exalt you. We end up in the same place with no destruction and no fall because we get humble ourselves before God. It's a difficult message for me to preach because if I'm honest with you, I deal with this all the time. Pastors love numbers. We love to talk about how many people are in this room today and how many people like are in groups and how many people go to Bible studies and how many people were baptized. By the way, 16 this week. 
Just so you know, all right, so you can get in my grill about that later. That is really awesome. That's not bragging on me or us. That's bragging on God, isn't it, that 16 people got baptized this past week? And, yeah, I know it might be prideful, but that's awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for clapping that. That's what it's all about. But I'll tell you that I have been wrecked over and over and over again because of this issue in my life. But I know that it's not just my issue. I know it's all of our issue. So I want to do something differently today, a little bit different today than we normally do. I'm going to ask Cynthia to come on up. And I'm going to ask her to just play the keys while we allow God's Holy Spirit to do his work. And I'm going to ask you just to, if you would, man, I'll still get you out early, okay? You can still go to lunch and brunch on time, all right? But I'm going to ask you just to stay where you are right now just for a few moments. Because I want to see what God has for you. I want to see what he has for you. And so I want to just ask you to just get in a kind of a prayerful mindset. And I want you to go back to that question that I asked, that statement I made. Let's allow the possibility that all of us in this room, all of us listening today, might deal with pride. And I'm going to give you a few moments just in quiet, in silence. Just you and God, His Holy Spirit working in your life. And I want to encourage you just to talk to him about it. Just to give it over to him. Because I would hate for your life. I would hate for your family. I would hate for whatever you're involved in to end up in destruction. God wants your best. He is for you. But there are times along the way that we might have to have a little bit of pain in admitting some of these things where we're weak to be able to experience his best in this life. And so let's just all quiet ourselves before God. And over the next minute or two, however God leads right now, I just want you to give that to him. If you want to get in a position of kneeling before him, if you want to come down to the cross to my left, your right, or if you want to come down here, that's fine. Just pray down here. If you want to just stay seated wherever you are, whatever God's leading you to do, would you just right now get in the posture that is best going to connect you with his Holy Spirit? God, be with us now. Would you reveal to each one of us, myself included, in this area of pride, would you show us where that is in our lives? Would you help us to walk through these steps that James lays out to get back to where we are humble before you. Search us now, Holy Spirit.
take whatever you revealed to us. Would you help us to remember that you took that to the cross? Help us, Father God, right now in this moment, in these moments, God, to to give that to you, to turn control back over to you, to be honest with ourselves and others, to not try to have some kind of pretense that everything is all right. God, I pray that you would take this pride that we have in whatever area it displays in our life. And God, would you take that and would you toss it as your word says that you do with our sin as far as the east is from the west. And God, may we be people who once were again exalted by you are humble enough to give you the credit. God, we thank you for what you do in our lives. We thank you that, yes, you are the great Savior. You are the great grace giver. You are the great merciful God. But you also want us to be humble before you. God, I pray that you would help us to be people who are courageous, confident, and strong because of our relationship with you, God. God, help us to go from this place ready to do your work, ready to be your people, ready to be your person. And God, may we not have pride leading us in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen.